are now tuned in to this week's episode of our podcast. Today, we are going to interview some of the greatest and most influential minds in our field. By sharing our collective expertise, we will show you how to harness, control, and use your own skill set to achieve ultimate success and live the life you want. And now, please welcome your host. Get inspired every Monday and Friday right here on your favorite inspirational show, Morning Inspirational Radio Show, hosted by Dalton, the producer, bringing that gospel flavor, old school, new school, holy hip hop, and don't forget about that Friday praise break. Get inspired through encouraging words, special guests, and the inspirational moment where you, the listener, get a chance to be on air. So tune in Monday and Friday, 9 a.m., 10 o'clock Eastern, Morning Inspirational Radio Show. Log on to Morning Inspirational Radio Show. Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Download episodes of previous shows. What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with... Just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Good news. You started a company. Now you have to run it. When you look out into the sea of CRMs, it can look extremely blue. But HubSpot is here to give your company a more human approach. We're a CRM that's easy to use, aligns all your teams seamlessly, and delivers a better experience for your customers. So your business feels like a helpful partner and not just some company trying to force a sale. There's a better way to help grow your business by connecting your people, your customers, and your business. HubSpot. Grow better. And thank you guys for tuning in to the Realist of the Visionary News. Yeah. And what we have going on now, guys, is a website. You can now join us at therealistdivisionary.com. That's right, therealistdivisionary.com. What we really want you to do is to click that first tab on top that says community chat, make a username, and join our community chat. Drop nothing but knowledge. Facts. You guys can drop scriptures, news articles, and YouTube links, or pretty much anything pertaining to truth. So go ahead, check out the website, therealistthevisionary.com. Flood up our community chat, all right? Talk to us about anything. And check out the other features on our website. Live streams coming soon. Coming soon. Woo, woo, woo. 
So thank you guys. Go ahead. Check it out. Peace and blessings, everybody. The realist. The visionary. The realist. The visionary. The realist. The visionary. The realist, 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 realist. And the visionary. Cheer. And this show is brought to you by StruggleLife.net. Go get your new fits on StruggleLife.net. Word. My name is Tina and I am the realist. And your boy Dust the Visionary. Yes, and thank you for tuning in to another episode. Welcome, new listeners. Please do us a favor. Follow us on TikTok and IG at The Realist The Visionary. And visit us at www.therealistthevisionary.com. Word, okay? Check out the website. Show us some love. Hop in that community chat. Drop us some information and share us some links, okay? And shout out to everybody who does share with us news articles and um, Instagram posts all on Instagram. We appreciate you all. And we're going to actually run down a few things today. But such, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Fine. Yes. I'm doing marvelous that's good absolutely marvelous that's great all right you got some news for the people because um we have a few things that a few people sent to us that i wanted to address um but did you have anything specific that you wanted to talk about first um nah i kind of want to get straight into it you know what i mean because everything that we're talking about right now is very relevant to pretty much no updated news more or less so you know we could get right into it what you think oh i have some news real quick okay you want to tell them okay all right so um first things first scientists have actually brought back dead eyes okay um they take in eyes from an organ donor and then five hours after the death it responded to light and, you know, we're actually going to do a show very similar to this soon. So I just wanted to kind of just put that out there because I thought that was interesting because these people really, really want to avoid death. And it's for a reason. Um, also, Dutch, we have to address the mass shootings because even after Buffalo and Texas, there were a few more. Um, Wisconsin, they actually shot up a funeral. There were shootings in Michigan, Oklahoma. There's actually a website called www.gunviolencearchive.org, and they actually keep up with the reports of the actual mass shootings. So when you actually go to this link that I just told you about, you're going to find all the mass shootings in 2022 okay and there has been a lot all right in between the whole buffalo new york and the whole texas school shootings there's been a lot some people injured and some people um actually died all right so if y'all don't see the agenda all right and joe biden did a whole speech right dutch Mm -hmm. pretty much trying to take away the gun laws all right that nigga always look like CGI every time he's on the fucking screen. Yeah, that nigga not there. Uh, yeah, whatever that is, that nigga's dead. Whatever that real person is, that ain't it. <clears throat> that is not it. Um, also, there was another fire 
at a food facility, okay? It was actually one of the largest egg factories in the U.S. that was caught on fire, and that was in Wright County, and tens of thousands of chicken has died, so... Mm-hmm. Oh, so we're going to be having some nasty sick chicken soon. You know, but... There you go. Another shooting, more shootings, more food facilities on fire. Um, Canada, they're actually progressing with the banning of like handgun sales and possession of assault weapons. So, you know, they're already on their road to mm-hmm. not having that. Yeah, um, the people out here ain't playing that. Um, so, yeah. Oh, another situation in Canada. Um, a man actually got approved for a COVID-19 vaccine injury payout. Now, when he took the AstraZeneca vaccine, he became partially paralyzed because he was diagnosed with a disease called um, Guillain-Barre um, syndrome or GBS. And it's a rare condition that affects the nervous um, system. And so he you actually that he won. Had before or after? No, after. He won a case and he didn't get paid much of anything. He didn't want to share the amount, but he said that the program payout was about 284000 And he said he didn't qualify the full amount. So that nigga got less than a quarter of a fucking million dollars to be permanently paralyzed after taking the ashes and a vaccine. I'm laughing because we tell y'all not to do these things. And y'all do it. And y'all do it. And he only got less than a quarter of a million. For being paralyzed. All right. This he man, can't even move. This man has children. He talks about how he can't even play with his children again. Can't do nothing that he used to after taking a COVID-19 vaccine. And of course, when you read the articles, they're like, oh my gosh, the chances of him actually developing this disorder. is just like one to one million. Get the fuck out of here. All right. And he's also eligible for income replacement up to 90000 a year, but he don't care because the nigga can't walk again. The nigga's paralyzed. Moving forward, um, they also are planning to launch like drones, like armed drones. You remember the show The Colony Dutch? Mm-hmm. And you know how they had all those drones flying around? They could mm-hmm. shoot you dead. Mm-hmm. So to control the mass shooting situation, this is what they're trying to implement. Come on now, new world order. There, they're just trying to really push this, this control. Um, and then, lastly, did you know that uh, according to California, bees are fish? What you said? Who's fish? Bees. 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 Bumblebees are fish in California. I, I'm really confused, but I guess if a man could say that they're a woman, I guess I a bee, guess could, a bee, be could, a bee could be a fish, and a bird could be a dog. And a dog could be a cat. Shit, then I want to be a motherfucking cheetah. I want to be a panther. (laughs) Hey. I identify as a panther, guys. Like, I, I just, I just can't. All right. So shout out to everybody. Um, shout out to Key Dot, Marcel, Crystal, King's View, For Rest and Better Life, Malik, and Sister Speak. And please check out her show, Sister Speak Show. We appreciate you guys sitting in all of these different articles. I just wanted to show y'all some love. All right. But now let's get into today's episode oh yeah more little fun fact biden said the magic number 33 million uh baby formulas have been created to bring to america and it's created by nestle 
Yeah. Well. His key words are 33 million quote unquote safe baby formulas was created and it will be shipped to the U.S. He tweeted that like I think earlier today. And you know, for me, lucky number 33, you feel me? Like, it's the number game, folks. Pay attention. And if anybody go tap in with that Nestle formula, you sick. Nestle got lawsuits. Out the wind works for fucking fucking people up with their drinks and shit like that. I mean, we, I know most of us probably had Nestle Quick for a moment in my life, you know. But it's the reason why a lot of people start drinking Nestle Quick. Nest, Nest, Nestle, though, they make a lot of other products. Like, you know, got the cookie. You know, they got cookies. They got all kind of shit, you know. Water. Water, you know. I think Nestle might even be in control of a... Not a TV show, but in control of a few things out there. It's something major that's outside of food. But um, anyway, that was that little fun fact. Y'all stay safe. We won't get into this episode. This is episode 152, and the title of this show is called Black Lives Matter Exposed. Okay. Exposing Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter Exposed. You know, this ain't going to be the only... um podcast out there talking about this of course it's probably something y'all done seen all over your timeline but we gonna break it down on our terms because there's probably a few things that these other niggas missed out you know what i mean mean to mean to really start digging in the nitty-gritty and let's share this let's get to it yeah oh gosh black but lives matter black lives matter was probably or is probably one of the strongest sings ever created next to free at last next to i'm black and i'm proud what's another one that you could think of from the civil rights days that was like real strong mm. chance that people kept saying fight the power fight the power black lives matter might just be stronger than fight the power in the, in, in the sense of the wording and um you know it became a movement and a lot of people, a lot of black people, of course, fell for the okey doke of the words of that you see. Black Lives Matter starts to feel like, hey, yeah, our life, you know, do matter. And they learned to capitalize off of everything that was going on at the time when they blew up on social media, became bigger than a hashtag. <laughs> so there's definitely like an ongoing joke amongst truthers that Black Lives Matter stands for Bilal, Lucifer, and Molage. And these are all like um, high-ranking demons if it's not actually like symbolisms of Satan himself. And you can find all these names in the Bible. And so I just thought that was funny. I'm sure you guys have seen it. So the movement actually started in 2013 when Trayvon Martin was killed uh, by George Zimmerman. And um, he was acquitted, right? That's what happens when they let the people go after committing the killing, the murder, the crime. And that sparked a lot of outlash on social media. And so what they say surface level is that, oh, these three black women, which we're going to get into the history of these three black women, um, they, you know, created this hashtag Black Lives Matter. And um, it kind of just sparked. And then what happened was a year later, you know, Michael Brown got killed in Missouri, right? That's the whole Ferguson situation. And we all know about the protests and we're going to break that down as well. And so really, it really jump started after Michael Brown. It sparked 
with Trayvon Martin, but then a year later, Michael Brown. And we have an entire episode called um, Modern Day Lynching, where we expose the actual history of lynching, police brutality, um, the stage protest, the history of the stage protest from damn near um, the 90s when it was around the whole O.J. Simpson trial and the whole um, L.A. riots all the way up into Ferguson. Right. So y'all can listen to that episode for a little bit more information about that. But that's kind of the origin of it. Um, and according to a Pew Research poll, two thirds, <laughs> right, family, two thirds, this is literally what they say. Two thirds of Americans are strongly supporting BLM. Mm-hmm. And one third isn't right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we understand. We know. That's funny, right? And the two thirds, I would say a good amount is white. <laughs> Well, it didn't really say. It's just categorizing everybody. They didn't really say, you know, you. by race. I'm telling you, a good amount is white. You think so? I know so. And why are you thinking? Well, because you know, ever since the whole hashtag and the protests and the movement grew, then you know, came out of it, all lives matter, police lives matter, Asian lives matter. So everybody kind of wanted to differentiate to represent, you know, their group. Or their race or their class. And, um, you know, back in the day when I was naive, uh, you know, we all kind of probably just went along with it, you know, as far as seeing the depictions of black people getting killed and no consequences. But that's been our story for all these years since slavery, right? You know, going all the way back to Emmett Till. So, you know, back in the day, Dutch, like, were you kind of like supporting the movement or back in the day you had like this shit was like 10 years ago or something <laughs> it was 10 years ago the start of it and you know what's crazy <laughs> Cause as we, we as we did our research we realized that black lives matter the, that shit actually started in what 2013 yes what i just said right so it, now in 2013 no i can't ever say even heard that phrase pop up ever you know what i mean i'm gonna be real with you that was a Trayvon Martin. That was everywhere. That was 2013? That was everywhere. That doesn't seem like 2013. Dutch has a terrible perception of time. Nah, time isn't real. So if my perception of it is jaded, I'm sorry. That shit doesn't seem real to me. Okay, but I'm telling you, that was the timeline. That whole Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown situation, that was 2013, 2014. That's when BLM was really, you know, emerging. That's crazy. But, um... So, yeah. Matter of fact, yeah, you're right. Cause I remember the designs I was coming out with with Struggle Life at the time. At the time, for me, I just thought, like, you know, how regular sheeple think. Oh. I mean, yeah, we was going through the it. injustice. Yes. We're upset. You know, that's just how we were, you know. Um, but yeah. now it has grown to damn near 30 to 40 chapters. So, is it like a little sorority, like a frat? All right, has all these different chapters, um, very similar to like the Black Panther Party, um, though these two organizations do not associate with each other at all. <laughs> for many at reasons. All, for many reasons. Um, but, you know, I think it's spooky how they really did capture the minds of so many black people. It was easy. It was very easy. And it was like, all right, no, let's. Black boy get killed, 
niggas clearly niggas gonna keep getting upset, right? Yeah. It's, come on, Black Lives Matter. It was the most genius thing they could have came up with at the time. Yeah, and it's an agenda. So if you're new here, we're gonna get to the exposal and we're gonna put the pieces together. Um, but you know what was the craziest part of the movement was in twenty twenty at the height of the pandemic when George Floyd died, quote unquote. All right. And then, you know, weeks apart was Ahmad Arbery, um, and Brianna Taylor. And the actual order was Ahmad, George, and then Brianna. And during that entire time, it was the most spookiest shit to witness. All the black people come out of the woodworks and other groups of people, other nations of people, all protests. And uh, we're talking about just real actual protests in New York City and things like that. We're not talking about the stage rioters, completely different. And we're going to get into that. Um, but do you remember that? Offer deadline on Oak Street, mile three. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin, and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half off the usual fee and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? Uh, yep. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Bidding war at the offer's counter in five minutes. Average savings is Redfin refund plus 1% listing fee. Subject to minimums. Not available in all areas. Learn more at redfin.com. Time, Dutch. Yeah, New York City was turned up for that, you know? It was, it was, it was, it was something. I remember being on just, like, I remember being in my room that night just on social media and looking at, like, real life live videos of real people really, like, downtown vandalizing things. I remember people pointing out, hey, it's a stack of bricks here, you know. Like niggas on in real time. These are people that I follow personally, that I knew personally, that was live showing certain things are being planted here. Certain types of people are out here wilding, and it wasn't black people. Yeah, you might see a couple of videos of black people in different parts of New York tweaking out. Like I know there's a video in um that I seen in Albany of some girls breaking into a beauty supply store selling wigs. But so, that was one thing. But in Manhattan, New York, it was a lot of the white boys tweaking out doing shit and everybody else was just following was, up. There was agents everywhere because even my brother called me at the time. All it's in road okay is it all it's an avenue it's all it's an avenue on Bo- um, boston road in the bronx right because that's the area that we're, we're from yeah, you said all it's um, road. listen i meant to say boston road and um all it's an avenue that's in the bronx if you're from new york you might know um but there was i think a beauty supply store that they actually bombed and my brother was telling me about it and i'm just like what black people in that area no one's doing any of that no right. one's doing that type of stuff. Not even in the time of crisis, like, like I don't know why they keep trying to map us out like we some wild ass niggas. That, like, that was we don't case. move like that. Like if like granted, like I said, I remember the videos. Oh, white boy took his skateboard and broke the window to the Gucci store. Fuck, are we in there? That's what we'll do. Not oh, nigga did this X, Y, and Z. No, no, niggas ain't moving like that. You know what I mean? You might see organized crime of niggas, but that's niggas being on organized not, shit. Not bombing. <laughs> not Black people yeah, don't have don't those bomb type of shit. resources. Like no, nigga ain't bomb nothing. Like no, some white boy, maybe even I say a Spanish nigga. Oh, I say a cop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Somebody like that did that shit. During the time though, even in Harlem, um, I'm not sure. People was telling me. How the cops, they would go around, put their sirens on, like, all through the fucking night. 
like riding around just like just um putting them sirens they even said the fucking purge sounds like they was doing all kinds of stuff i don't know if any of y'all that are from Harlem could attest to this, but we had people that we knew that were saying that. Um, so it was just a crazy time, okay? That was a whole George Floyd situation. But let's actually get into who started and who's actually running it, right? So these are the figureheads, which we said before, okay? It was created by Alicia Garza, Patrice Colors, which her name has been trending, right? And Opal to Moti, all right? And from the start, this whole BLM shit has always been about LGBTQ and witchcraft. And we're going to talk about that shit, okay? Um, so they actually created the hashtag, right? And expanded into all these different chapters that they have today. So let's talk about Alicia Garza, Dutch. That's one of the main founders, all right? She's a civil rights activist from California, um first off Alicia and Patrice both are was I think they was both like raised in Cali. I want to just point out the geographic location of where these people originate from very important. California was the place where both of these women started off at. Even with the Opal Tometi joint. Her story was interesting. She's she's not from America. Even though when you look her up, it's going to say, oh, she was raised in Arizona, which is only two hours away from Cali. I believe she was born here. She's Nigerian, but I believe she was born here. I don't believe that because when I read, um, she's very much immigrant, immigrant, immigrant. She moved around a lot with her family throughout Nigeria that ended up over here. She could she could most definitely be one of them African women who don't even know where they're really from because there was immigrants or whatever. I'm jacking and that's a possibility. You understand? And they're just going off of what she they were told. She knows where she's from. She's Nigerian. Right. But, okay, but she's not from America. You can't, you're not going to, if you're Nigerian, born and raised in Nigeria, moved to America, it doesn't make you from America. She's not, I know, but I thought she was a baby either way. It wasn't like she was a grown from person. From the story that they tell you on the internet, all right, I, I, the story that I was reading from her on this internet, it wasn't reading to me this was a baby who ended up in America later. No, this read to me like this was somebody who was kind of trained up into this position and we said they said, Hey, we wanna say you was based out of Arizona for for, you know, business purposes of this overall goal that we have for you. Um, okay. I mean do you have any any more information on Oval? Because you're you're saying that, but that's not what I read. So you can. Well, that's my that's what I what that's what I read. I don't know what you read. So you're so so what is exactly? I see right here? You have civil rights activists from Arizona. I'm giving you a little more background. Like they put civil rights activists from Arizona. That she's nowhere from Arizona. She's all the way from way back in Nigeria. She's been out there for a long time. She just came over here, linking up with these two girls from California. California, Arizona is right there. You know what I mean? I mean that's what you're saying. That's all. I know that they distort this stuff all the time, yes. but you're but you're saying that she wasn't born over here. No, but right. they're saying that she was born over here. She's not. I'm I'm not, I'm disagreeing with that. That's all. But we continue. But, but what's the purpose of them lying about that? Don't don't I, don't sound like the rest of these people asking. But what's no, the I, I about really them am lying. asking that one though. What's the purpose of them lying about that information? Um. Cause you like the same way they lie about Obama being 
American when Trump kept pulling up his birth certificate and he's like, this nigga's not even from out here. Same thing with her, in a sense. Not that being from America makes it any difference. But what does of, that matter? Well, well, that's why, as I said, not that being from America is going to make it any different. I'm just saying when you when you're reading this these facts, my mind doesn't trigger that this person is from America at all. All right, but if you can move, let's move forward though. It was just something I wanted to bring up, mainly with them two being from Cal, the first two being from California. We're gonna get into their whole relations later. Um, so Alicia and Patrice, they are lesbians or they identify as queer. Um, when you research, they'll say all three of them. I don't know about the opal person. She's just a question mark. All right. But Alicia Garza, she's actually married to a transgender white man. Sad. He, she, tranny. Like, think about that. Like a white man, tranny, a white man, (laughs) tranny. It's disturbing because. This, these people are supposed to be the quote-unquote leaders of an organization that was supposed to be beneficial towards quote-unquote black people, yet the the people in charge are married to, you said one is married to a tranny white man. That's top line, like, disgusting and disturbing and nobody for some reason shit like that don't matter to people especially with you alphabet supporters they shit like that don't really matter y'all just y'all wear those because the lgbtq is heavily right blm and vice versa this, so that's this, why her position reminds me a little bit of why i felt so disappointed when i found out the truth about angela davis who was also a civil rights activist who Years later, after her reign, she ends up married to a white woman in California. You know what I mean? And yeah. it, it was like, so you don't tell me, Miss Black Panther, there was no nigga in that party that wanted to fuck with you. <laughs> you feel me? You really ended up with a whole white lady and you try to keep it on the low. And she's been so silent. She's the, she's the quietest. You never hear nothing about Angela you Davis. Shit about her. She knows she can't be in the public eye that much. Anyway, let's get into it. And then Patrice Colors, because we're going to spend a lot more time on Patrice. You know why? Because she's been all over the news. Okay. She is actually married to a non-gender conforming woman that's not black as well. That motherfucker look Indian. Yeah, she's not black. Whatever she is. And literally, you Google, and people, these are all Googles. When you Google them, it will say this bitch is... I did, does not identify as any gender. She is non-binary, non-gender conforming. Uh, she is what you said, uh, uh, a queer. She's a fucking bee. A queer theorist. That's a, a fish. Yeah. She's that. The fuck. And, and and outside of me wants to even dig deeper and just say, how about these people are just aliens? Like they're not even humans. She, I'm, this is my new shit. Thank you, sister. Speak. These niggas is bees, but they fishes. <laughs> They identify as yeah. a bee, but they're really a fish. You know, you know that's spooky. And um, these are the leaders of an organization that you guys. And I say you guys, of course, not the ones that's listening, but maybe even some that's listening, because some of y'all listening might have BLM still in y'all bio to this day. Um, these are the leaders of them. You know, what I mean, this this is these are the things that they're into in a personal life. And I know a lot of people try not to conjoin people's personal life with a business life but i think that matters because like let's say there was a black leader right here preaching black love to everybody but he's married to a white woman you're gonna question that nigga right 
Of course. So, yeah, this person is it, it, it's just disturbing. It's just disturbing. Let's continue. Um, I believe that all three of them are part of sororities. Maybe don't quote me on this. Um, Dutch, you did a little bit more research on that. Um, who was a part of the sorority that you found? Um, Opal. Okay. Opal, I believe. I could be wrong. But I think it was Opal. Opal was a part of a sorority. Um, and when I read the info on them, the sorority, I forgot the name of it, it being write it down, but they, they started recently, not too long ago, I think maybe in, um, 96, so 1996 was a very, uh, important year in society, um, not only did they start in 96, they, in order to get the whole, uh, sorority started, they needed, um, six girls to do it. Opal was a part of that sorority. She wasn't one of the founders. This information I'm, I'm reciting to you is pretty much about how the sorority was founded. It actually started in North Carolina um, by uh, some, as they call it, biracial people, um, women, half black, half white. They was torn between whether they wanted to go, quote unquote, black, Greek, or go how the white sorority did things, confused as fuck. You know what I mean? Anyway. You know, and of course, you know, six girls and magic number six and their logo for their uh, sorority was actually like a shield and a butterfly. So when you just look at the little symbols, you got the shield, which represents to me the Knights of Templar. For those who don't know who the Knights of Templar is, that's a big Dutch Masonic group. Um, And then along with the butterfly, you know what the butterfly stands for, MK Ultra Mind Control. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you got six women. And then they all pushing all this LGBT stuff. So, yeah, that's that's where we at. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Patrice Colors, okay? She actually spent $42 million in charity funds. And if you was with us on our 150th episode, we briefly talked about this lady. Um, but let's actually talk about it. So now in 2020, this is where the organization generated a lot of money off of the George Floyd situation. They actually took in $90 million. I want to say something real quick. These women, most of them have been heavily involved. Like, you know, I'll be telling you, 2013 is when this shit kind of popped off. But they have all been heavily involved in the media for years before this shit popped off. They've been in the mix. Um, I, Some of them was on MSNBC, CNN numerous times. Some of them was even on talk shows numerous times before Black Lives Matter became a thing. So... They really had all this built up steam of being just in the mix with, like, again, you know, regular media. Um, the media, if you know, just remind you guys, is all controlled by one entity mainly. These girls were all in the mix of all those other news channels that's all controlled by one entity. Mm-hmm. You understand? So, when even when I was reading more history on what some of them was like, really, uh, like their passions and the things that they was good at, according to Wikipedia, one of them is was was a master at um creating like uh, campaigns for corporations. Mm. So if they c- consider Black Lives Matter an organization, what is it for people to to dismiss the thought of, hey, this multi million dollar organization created, uh, let's say, you no know, storyline to help support their cause. People do that all the time, all right? Politicians would do that all the time. Hey, 
Like, I mean, here's a perfect example. Um, Malibu's Most Wanted, right? White boy rapper, white, remember the dad was a politician? Mm-hmm. And when the white boy started getting called up in the black community and it was like, hey, why don't you use this shit as fuel to help you win these votes? Mm-hmm. And the dad was like, no, nah, I can't do that. But remember, that's the, the black dude, the black guy who was the, his, um, what you call it, his assistant? Mm-hmm. Was telling the white guy, why don't you use, why don't you capitalize off the struggle of the black people? Because your son is in, like, for the, right, the campaign manager, the black campaign manager mm-hmm. told him, hey, why don't you capitalize Blair off this, sh- right, why don't you capitalize off this struggle of the black people right now since your son is in the mix and uses for your campaign to get votes? What makes you think that they don't do that in real life with other shit? Well, even with the protests, um, we watched the film. What's that? What's the film? The Purge, and it's the one um, when they shut down Staten Island, and they had recruited a whole bunch of different people to actually start the killing. It was the first purge, right? That was, that's what it was, and it showed that the first purge was actually the government agents that went around killing people to um, jumpstart this. Exactly, they recruited and. Obviously, we talked about it before on our other episodes where people in the neighborhoods have said those niggas that was rioting, they're not from here. They came from somewhere else. We see niggas hop out of fucking vans, you know, trucks. And that's real. Um, but going back to Patrice Colors, um, she actually paid her baby father. And why is it a lesbian always has a baby father stashed away somewhere? Your ass ain't lesbian, you stupid. Your ass is. And they be killing me. It be the dyke bitches. It be the masculine ones that have a baby father stashed somewhere. That be scary. And you gotta look at the man. It's like that's you. That's your baby mom. Well, I've like, seen a couple of girls that started <sighs> off girly after they had their baby. Some somewhere down the line that turned into a, a man. Dyke. Yeah, real talk. <sighs> I don't understand it. Anyways, so yeah, she paid her baby father nine hundred seventy thousand. Um, she paid her brother eight hundred forty thousand for security. Um, another director two point one mil. All these different things. Okay, she actually owned multiple properties in L.A. They had a six million dollar home. I think that was what they used for their headquarters, right? The mansion, um, yeah, they wanted to use the mansion as the Black Lives Matters headquarters, and they swore up and down that the money that they made from Black Lives Matter was not used to purchase the crib. And if y'all niggas fall for that okie doke, then y'all go ahead and be a monkey's ass and keep donating. <laughs> so this is the thing. She came under scrutiny because of all the actual tax filings. So let me break down the history. All right. We said it started back in 2013, right? So the actual charity behind BLM is called Thousand Currents. Everything is going through Thousand Currents 501c3 nonprofit group. Okay. They became the financial sponsor of Black Lives Matter Global Network in 2016. All right. And I'm going to connect so many dots. So y'all just stay tuned and walk with me. Okay. The vice chair of the board of directors, her name is Susan Rosenberg. If you guys Google Susan Rosenberg. Jewish. Okay. Yeah. She's Jewish. And she's actually a freaking 
terrorist. She's a domestic terrorist. She was actually part of... Offer deadline on Oak Street, mile three. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin, and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half off the usual fee and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? Uh, yep. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Bidding war at the offer's counter in five minutes. Average savings is Redfin refund plus 1% listing fee. Subject to minimums. Not available in all areas. Learn more at redfin.com. Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today. Only a mattress firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. The first female terrorist group in the U.S. And no they way. actually bombed the U.S. Capitol building. Okay? And you know who got her off? Who? The Clintons. No way. Bill Clinton. So we going to connect the motherfucking dots. Just walk with me because we're going to talk about George Soros, the Clintons, Rosenberg, all of this. But I just had to bring that up. So the thing is, because everything is behind Thousand Currents, right? BLM, they were kind of like tax exempt. So they didn't have to actually file what what is called right. actually 1990 forms with the IRS. When you have organizations that collect money like that, you could avoid taxes. It's rich nigga taxes that you learn in business classes. But go ahead. Yeah. So that is why it took a while for people to see what these you know all this um funds was being spent on mm-hmm. because of that fact and so you know with thousand currents you have funders like the novo foundation open society foundation which is actually george soros foundation all right also humanity united the libra Fanda- uh, foundation they actually have supported thousand currents hold up hold the fuck up we're gonna talk about the george soros because during the entire 2020 george floyd situation his name was all through the topics right Mm -hmm. everybody was saying that george soros was funding not only blm but antifa all these different movements so for the fact that the actual financial sponsor thousand currents Hmm. Actually received funding from Open Society Foundation, George Soros organization. Interesting. I said George Soros. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure I didn't say George Floyd because, you know, it's, it's hilarious because it's like, for, for y'all, I mean, what she said was real simple. I hope y'all followed. Just want to put y'all in the shoes of a business person right here. Hey, I have an organization that's mine's. But it's not under my name, of course. And that doesn't say, you know, uh, struggle Dutch's, you know, organization. That's not, that's not the name. The name is some Sididi shit that you never heard of. You know what I mean? White Table Electronics LLC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. White Table Electronics LLC donates 1.5 mil randomly to 
the Black Lives Matter organization. And and not the Black Lives Matter because it's going through thousand oh, currents. We, down, we send it to thousand currents. Thousand currents. Gives it to the Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Do you just see the chain effect? That's all these rich people do to wash money. It's called cleaning money. If you guys watch Power, the 50 Cent Show real quick. That's what ghosts and them niggas was doing. Selling drugs, running it through the club to clean the money up. Because that club is under a legit LLC business and you could do shit like that. You ain't got to explain to niggas where you get $5 million from. I, I got a club. It hit the bar. You know what I mean? No. So, seriously, who's really researching that? Nobody. Because that's just simple research. Because people, they just speak outlandishly. You know, sometimes, as us truthers, we know what we're saying is truth, even though we might not have we the just, physical papers. Yeah. But I'm telling you right like, now, if you what, do research, Open Society Foundation, which is George Soros' charity, donated to Thousand Current, which is the financial sponsor for BLM. That's all I'm saying. Back to Patrice. So then when people was telling you, <laughs> like, for real though, because like, I, I, hope, I hope those out there who are listening, who were supporting Black Lives Matter so heavily, listen to this and, so, and understand this shit was some BS put in front of your face and make you emotionally feel involved and connected to something. This is not real. George Soros, who is some evil Jewish dude who runs a lot of other shit, is in control of that. He's a master puppeteer for that whole situation. He put these three black girls in. Again, lucky number three. Mm-hmm, the okay. figureheads for this organization. Not one, not two, but three. All right? Black. And then over them is the actual Jewish white lady. Yes. <laughs> all right. Who pulls all these strings, folks. And they pull the strings. That's again, like I said, to fuck with your emotions, to fuck with your feelings, to get black people involved. Why? Because black people, not only black people, but racism, things that pertain around racism, is the number one moneymaker in America. All right. That's it. I listened. I read a couple of books on businesses, and they said the number one money maker in America is racism or anything pertaining around it. It just does it. But continue on. Let's talk about more with Patrice. All right, Patrice. So when they actually did have to file that 1990 form, right? Um, it actually came out that this was actually the largest black abolitionist non-profit organization to ever exist in the nation's history okay um in 2020 um they had nearly about 42 million in net assets um and they had an operating budget of about four million so that's a lot of money they their operating expenses was only four million and they're bringing in all these you know tens of millions of dollars and I said it before, they had a $6 million little house, little lavish, you know, house. With yeah, a they bought the music because they had to spend the money because it was going to go back to taxes anyway. No, it's a f- under 501c3. So taxes in, like, it's, it's interesting, right? So people was attacking Patrice and, you know, all of us in this truth, we just are laughing at it. Uh, we're laughing at all the other puppets. We're laughing at those who fell for it. That fell for the okie doke. And. 
it's just like I don't even talk about so many different charities. It's just not BLM. It's all these different charities that they say that they're advocating for something. They're collecting your money and they're not really helping the people that they say that they're advocating for. It's usually the opposite. But um, let me move forward. Let's talk about Black Lives Matter and witchcraft. Because not only is it headed by these LGBTQ LMNOP people, they claim to be very spiritual, you know, and not our type of spiritual as far as actually serving the true Heavenly Father. Yeah, right. No, they actually do a lot of voodoo and witchcraft. Um, They actually practice like an occult religion called Ifa which is some type of African system of divinization, um, a lot of ancestral worship stuff. They always talk about like, oh, you know, when these type of situations happen or occur, as far as like a black person losing their lives who may be police brutality or racial injustice, we have to speak their names. We have to call their names right we encourage everybody to call their name say his name say her name so that those spirits can actually become present with you wow she's telling y'all to chant these names and a lot of these people who they said died didn't even die dutch Mm -hmm. and yet she's telling people to say their name say her name right You know, when they had a whole campaign, say his name, George Floyd, say her name, Mm -hmm. Breonna Taylor. When you're being involved in this and chanting their names, you're actually um, calling on to demons. You're invoking that spirit because a lot of deception is behind all these different deaths. Um, Whether or not it was staged, the people who are playing their parents are actual Masons, Freemasons, Trayvon Martin's parents, Michael Brown's parents, his daddy, the, all the daddies is Masons. So you have to be careful with that. Um, there was actually a hashtag called witches for BLM that had damn near 10 million views um, that says a bunch of witches are practicing, um, you know, spells and they are manifesting intention. So that manifestation, that chanting, all that voodoo shit. Um, even Patrice, she has a ritualistic video on YouTube. Um, it's called Prayer to the Ayami. And um, when you first look at it, you might think it's just some type of artistic display that is um, trying to shed light on the American Negro crisis or just, you know, um, the strife or the black man's strife or plight. Um, but it's actually very evil. She's dressed disgusting. She looked like a damn demon. She looked bugged out. So if y'all go research the video, you're going to see what we're saying. Um, and they're definitely not Christians. And you actually have a lot of Satanists who are Black Lives Matter activists. There was actually an incident in Troy, New York, where um, they actually attacked black people who were attending the church. OK, they were all part of BLM. So I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because a lot of bitches <laughs> who claim the movement anyway on social media, your regular degular bitch. They got the damn rocks on deck. They got the damn moon symbols in their bio and all kinds of stuff. So these bitches really do practice witchcraft. Oh, yeah, them bitches were talking. And they're LGBTQ. And they're yep. just, they're all concoctions of this BLM stuff. With kids. With kids. 
Can't forget the kids. Go ahead, Dutch. What do you got? Oh, um, now the Black Lives Matter Foundation also transferred millions to a Canadian charity who was ran by Janaya Khan, who's the dykey, the uh, the non-gender chick. So all this money they was making, they was just trying to move it through each other with different forms of charity so it could be on tax, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what pretty much made this whole situation hot. But meanwhile, as they're moving the money around, they're purchasing these, you know, million dollar homes in Toronto and everywhere else. Yeah, in L.A. and just everywhere. Let's talk about George Soros. Come on, let's talk about the George Soros because he is the Instead star. 3,000 emails. Where did they all go? <laughs> 33,000 emails. Where did they all go? Mm-hmm. Hillary makes me sick. Time to lock her up a show. Mm-hmm. We are all the puppets. And George Soros pulls the strings. Pizza Overlord. Pizza Overlord. <laughs> if y'all don't know that song, <laughs> that was from an episode of American Dad. Oh, and it was a it was a very it was a great episode because you know, again, with these cartoons, I know we're going a little sidetrack, but we're still on point. These cartoons, especially, especially American Dad, cause American Dad is pretty much based on just American politics and shit like that, right? CIA agent. C- stands the CIA agent. So, these cartoons, they use these characters to do what? Drop the truth all the time. All right? There's a reason why they use that character, Steve, in the Talking Fish Klaus, who's supposed to be a German fish to air out that one aspect of you know number number lucky number 33 right mm-hmm. 33,000 emails all right well let me give the backstory of that episode um because George Soros is heavily tied to the Democratic Party heavily associated with the Clintons heavily associated with Hillary Clinton um John Podesta his brother right they were all involved with this whole email league because there was a bunch of emails exchanged and then that's the whole Pizzagate thing became exposed so with this episode of American Dad um they actually had to come up with a jingle for a restaurant called Pizza Lord right Pizza Overlord Pizza Overlord thank you and so with that there is a lot of pizzerias that are tied to the sex trafficking of children um you know the emails that were leaked was like even barack obama them all like you know ordering all the like hundreds of thousand dollars for pizza and hot dogs and things like that it was coded language for actually children little girls little boys and so for them to take it that they, you know, they're sharing the jingle that they came up with for Pizza Overlord to be, you know, about Hillary and George Soros pulling the strings. You know, they always like to play around and drop the truth. But back to George Soros, let's yeah, actually talk first, about him. The first thing they have on here talking about him is the Open Society Foundation that she was mentioning. And, um, you know, it says here, you know, the dude, he... The Open Society Foundation support, uh, they support the NAACP, <laughs> Legal Defense and Educational Fund and Faith in Action, which contests, which contests efforts to constrain voter participation and to bolster civic engagement. And I want to break down civic engagement. What, what, is, what does that really mean? Civic engagement. Hmm. What do you think that means off the top of your head? Nope. You got to break it down. All right. <laughs> well, um, 
Also, you know, he he he, he donated eighteen. Um, wait, is it eighteen mil? Eighteen million to the through, through that foundation. All right, this nigga's worth. This nigga's net worth alone is in the billions. So that just goes to show you the power that Joe Soros has. He's like the bankroll to the Democratic um, Party. Um, you know, he's Jewish. He's actually Hungarian born. And you know what's very interest interesting is that um he was actually denounced as a, a Satan seeking person trying to destroy Christian Europe. You know, that's what his people in um Hungary actually said. And China actually calls Soros a global economic terrorist or son of Satan, the most evil. So the fact that Hungary is calling him Satan seeking to destroy Christian Europe and then even China, evil ass China is calling him the son of Satan. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is an evil man. Now, though we know that George Soros is playing a part, that's not where it stops, right? Because it's a pyramid. It's the elite. When we talk about like the Rothschilds and um, give me some more names, the Rockefellers and well, the Rothschilds changed their last name to the Redstones. Whatever Rothschild, they still if you Google, they still come up as Rothschild. And what I'm saying is that we know these names and we have faces, right? But they are not even the people. Like there's people above them that we'll never see. And there's actually a show on Netflix that me and Dutch was watching briefly. Um, it's called the Pentaveret, mm-hmm. you know, with Michael Myers or Mike Myers, the comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, the show is eh, it's so stupid, you know, you know, white people comedy. I- <laughs> and um, they expose a lot of truth on that, even with what they were, you know, showcasing as far as the people who are actually at that head of the table. Nobody sees them. The people that we think like the George Soros and the Queen of England and those people, they're even figureheads to the actual people, you know, and then they and above those people is just literally high ranking demons. And above them is Satan himself. You know, that's how you get to the very tippity tippity top that's why they like to do like levels to this even with the whole masonry and stuff because there's levels after 33 it don't stop at 33 there's different rights right Mm -hmm. um so you know he like we said he has been claimed to dump millions of dollars into the black lives matter protests right Mm-hmm. millions of dollars hiring these people <laughs> recruiting these people to go into these neighborhoods and to you know riot that's crazy there's actually a um an article that i stumbled upon when it comes out to the rothschilds um the rothschilds yeah little jamaican i don't know a little sus boy but little uh a dc um a dc councilman he uh he's thirty three years old. His name is um Treyon White. All right, he's thirty three year old Democrat. He put a post on his Facebook page back in twenty eighteen. He said, "Man, it just started snowing out of nowhere this morning. Y'all better pay attention to this climate control. This is climate manipulation." Also adding that we are a resilient city, and and that's a model based off the Rothschilds controlling the climate to create natural disasters. They can pay for. To own for the um for to own the cities, man. Be careful. Okay, so they could 
This guy's pretty much just saying that Rothschilds could pay to manipulate the weather. All right, but we're not talking about the Rothschild. We veering way too loud. We talking about George but Soros. Stick it to George, man. George is just a bill. He's just he's just he just control everything. There is also a memo um, that they said leak that showed approval for six hundred fifty thousand um, to invest in technical assistance and support of the black lives matter movement so on top of just you know his actual organization donating two thousand currents and then of course thousand currents being the financial sponsor to blm they're actually saying you know a separate from that there were memos that were leaked showcasing that you know he was dumping in money to the movement so you know even his history um he 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 got ties with trying to escape the Nazi as far as his family. I'm just like that old looking nigga. His eyes kill me. He got such saggy freaking bags. Yeah, that nigga look like he's his dying. Eyeballs. He look like a his eyeball monster. falls off his face. Yeah, stick it back in. Yeah, that's what that shit look like. All right, but let's get back to Hillary Clinton and her emails. All right, because we talked about Pizzagate. We have an entire episode called Pizzagate. So George Soros actually donated $20,000 to Comet Ping Pong. That was the main pizza restaurant that's at the forefront of this conspiracy, quote unquote. Right. And um, Obama used to frequent at the Ping Pong Pizzeria and they held several fundraisers there. And so they would fly back and forth. Um, You know, they paid about sixty five thousand dollars. Um, for pizza and hot dogs, like I said earlier. So that that's where the colds as far as the children come in. And so they would sacrifice these children. Um, they would harness the adrenochrome, all these different things. Um, Podesta's brother actually was photographed um, showcasing like mullet symbolism. Um, a lot of them have attended the spirit cooking bitches party. Marina um Apramovich or whatever that evil wicked bitch is and so they're all tied okay George Soros the Obamas the Clintons they're all tied to Pizzagate they're all tied to that restaurant um and it's crazy there's actually a man um from North Carolina that actually was trying to expose this this shit he actually drove to the yeah pizzeria and so even on the internet george soros they say you know he for years it's not nothing new for years he's been accused of directly funding and or and even orchestrating protests and mm-hmm. i believe that because the dikey training believer chick that the, the janea jukkan mm-hmm. she one of her jobs was a master orchestrator for protests. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, that's one of her things. Like on her Wikipedia, like oh, her education. That's one of her educational backgrounds. That this girl is a mastermind at orchestrating organizational protests and things of that nature. Um. Yikes! Yikes! And they're just saying that you know Soros even financially supported the first National Women's March and organized that uh, it is Charlottesville, Virginia. All right. And these are people who's like it's not they don't they're not just making this up, you know. 
No. Um, it says this Open Society Foundation had hired the protesters that started fires and raided stores during protests in Minneapolis over the death of George Floyd. Pe- Social media blew up with that news. What you think niggas is just making that up out of nowhere just to blame somebody, bro? Come on. No, I mean, if she just, if, if, if the real is just linked to you guys, George Soros, and he owns this Open Society Foundation, like, let's look at the words. Open Society Foundation. When you hear the words Open Society, what kind of j- jiggles in your mind? Mm-mm. Think about it a little bit, baby. What jiggles in your mind? Open Society. I feel like you're testing me. I feel like it's a quiz, pop quiz. Um... Opens. I really don't know. You got. You just have to. You have to break it down. When I, I, I mean, I'm gonna break it down the way how I perceive it. When I hear the word, the word "open society foundation," I hear a secret society that's not so secret. It's kind of open for everybody to get involved with if you are part of some type of fraternity. That if that makes sense. You expecting me to? put that together <laughs> yeah because the word society no. sort of screamed in open when i hear open i hear like i think like third eye open i just think certain things like that you know or even like uh open arms or just you know open to the public or you know like if they don't shame nobody this is the open society you know yeah i can't i'm not trying to get too deep into it but yeah man this is these are things that people just directly these people already did their own googles two years ago on this shit we're probably late you know, people already put put two and two together. Like, yeah, this guy funded X, Y, and Z. This guy's responsible for all this shit. These people were hired to be here. These people don't belong here. These people are paid actors, paid to be here. When when they had that White House insurrection, you know what I mean? Niggas on social, people was watching the Capitol. shit on the Capitol, right? You know what I mean? The people real time that I knew personally was like, yo. I know this nigga right here that's on the White House right now walking through this shit. People knew they friends. They seen niggas that they know from social media. Regular, degular niggas that they know on the day-to-day. Regular influencers was there. Why? Not because it was the hype thing to do. Because they was hired to be there. They was told to be there. Same thing with the shootings. The cops were told to stay there while this little stage shit happens and then they put it out to the public that oh this is what happened and only the cops was allowed to go inside and oh yeah by the way uh, one of the teachers opened up the side door and the door happened to not close the right way that day how stupid are y'all going to be how long do y'all want to be stupid is the question forever but all the police brutality cases you know they're just stage psychological operations. And we did an entire show about PSYOPs, right? Uh, where we really broke in not just this, but a lot of the mass shootings as well. So that's pretty relevant today. I, I really advise you guys to go back to the PSYOP show and to listen to Modern Day Lynching because it's very relevant now. But it's all just to invoke, like, you know, the race riots or a civil war. Um, they, it seems like they're trying to really push black people's buttons, but they realize that we ain't really doing it. And so, so they find it looks something like they pushing, they pushing, no, they pushing whitey. And, um, you know, if you follow us on Instagram, you guys actually picked this show. We had three choices, which I thought were very good. 
Um, and even the emotional intelligence show, this definitely can correlate with just how, like you said earlier, Dutch, how the media just plays on these people's emotions. And we're going to do a show on emotional intelligence, but, um, the other option, which I don't think people were familiar with the term, that's why um, people did vote for it, but majority voted for this one. Um, it's called the great replacement theory. And what that is, is that white people, <laughs> for you for the last decade white people been feeling like black people going, are about to replace them yeah. in society yeah like they're nigga, gonna lose their power america and they is are like, gonna lose their power yeah yeah yeah. that's, that's <laughs> a given but america is like 80 percent white like the fuck is wrong with y'all white crackers bro like we we not about to replace y'all and this is y'all little turf we we, we just here just doing what we doing y'all need us to keep it lit <laughs> you feel me yeah, but anyways, everything from like the Ferguson riots, the Baltimore riots, the George Floyd riots, that was like damn near universal. You had everybody in every damn country, Japan, showing their riots. All of it is psyops. It's um, all psyops. And let me tell you a little something, a little dangerous thing about a psyop, folks. So. This is this this is oh, this is still my perception of these things. So yes, some things are staged. Yes, some things are real because some people fall for the okie doke. If people was get if people fell for this vaccine shit, if people fall like she's talking about emotional intelligence, if they fall emotionally for this stage protests and stage killings best believe that there are people that's falling for these things and reacting to it in a direct way that they want them to react to it best believe that there are people who are legitimately losing their minds in their crib and going out and taking the ak and shooting shit up because they are falling victim to what's being projected to them on tv so those situations yes will be real unfortunate fucked up situations that you really might not even hear about on the news that tragedy really did happen that person really did lose their mind and snap the other shit that you see broadcast on the news where they want you to go fund it and it's on tv every every day and you get to see the trial live and the whole nine that shit's on stage what happens afterwards is the point if you understand what I'm trying to say, and you understand? We, yeah, and we broke all of what everything you just said, we broke that down in that episode. That's why I'm telling y'all to go back to those episodes, episode 75, the PSYOP, where me and Dash literally played by play just what he said. Like, and we get into the CIA actual handbook where they run these psychological operations in the military and how it applies to the mass media. So just go back to the episodes, episode 75. If you're new here, check it out because um, the way we do our episodes, you know, we heavily focus on a topic and then kind of expand. Um, that way you can get more. So even if things like, you know, overlap, you'll still have the other episode going into further detail about a particular subject matter, like what he just said with the psyops. And so... That is all I have. I don't know if we convinced you, but I feel like me putting together those to organizations that, you know, we're well, that the 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 movement is fraudulent. Yeah, the movement is for is to is for the movement is fake. It was cool. It was cool words, but it was fake. It's used for white people to feel protected. <laughs> Um, cause I know there's a lot of white people repping Black Lives Matter way harder than black people. There's a lot of black people who just jokingly say that shit for the last couple of years, like, oh, Black Lives Matter is for white people. Then there's black people who's all offended 
when other black people would tell them, yo, this shit is not for us. Please get this out your bio. Y'all got the nerve to get fucking tight and call people ignorant. No, you're fucking stupid. Because you keep falling for the okie doke. I love saying it like that because it's so real. Like, you know what I mean? It'd be the fucking frat ass motherfuckers who's going to all the riots and trying to go to class, vaccinated, and, and, a, and a spiritual hoe. You know what I'm saying? Got the moon and the rainbows and all the zodiacs in their bio. It'd be those. And, and it's just unfortunate. I, I hate to come at black women. It's not just black women. Cause white people was doing it too. Everybody of all cultures was doing it. But black women, I come hard at y'all mainly. Because y'all fall for the okie doke quick. When the okie doke is meant to trigger you first. I can't wait till we do our emotional intelligence show. It's going to be very interesting. Um, because... It has a lot to do with, you know, the actual media manipulation and things like that. It's bad. When I tell but, you that other cultures and races really look at us like something, like it's us, like it's pathetic. You know what I mean? What do you mean like it's us? Other cultures and races, they look at, like, it, it, it kills me when other women from other cultures, when they, and, and, they, and they, even in their own little bubble... They look at society through social media, the way it's projected, and they projected the way how we see who's on the bottom of the totem pole of everything. Okay, right. I I get what Mess- you're saying. Other other societies know, and cultures look at black they, women like they at the bottom, then black men, that's and then them. That's <laughs> actually not even it. The, but that's how a lot think, of people though. actually. A lot of people actually put black women before a black man. That's because um, I feel like a black man's treatment in this uh, in this place is way harsher than a black woman. So I wouldn't even say that. I definitely hey, would put other black cultures men. feel like black women have it harder than black men. But either way, they above both. I get what you're saying, but we all know this. We all know that, you know, everybody looks down upon us. It was part of the curses, you know, it just is what it is. I don't really fucking care because, you know, it's going to be a beautiful day when these niggas is gonna be fucking licking my fucking boots, mm-hmm. being that ass. So you know we could be going through a whole bunch of stuff, family, especially when it comes to outside people. You know, just keep reminding yourself who you are. You know, you are royal, and these niggas will be serving us if they're even lucky to even get to that point. Um, but that's it. So you know. I feel like we exposed it. You know, you have founding members who are actually, you know, taking the majority of the millions of dollars for their own personal usage, right? And then you have their actual um, financial sponsor who's receiving money from George Soros organization and George Soros him actually orchestrating the riots not only for blm but for antifa and other types of organizations and groups and so either you're gonna believe it or you're not you know you have to do your own research we say that all the time on this show do your own research um if you feel like what we're saying is not substantial i don't know what to tell you then you know believe what you want to believe but what's done in the dark will come to the light that's all i got you got anything else that you wanted to say what uh we'll- bitrex is a cryptocurrency exchange empowering traders to feed their curiosity 
With more than 100 tokens and unparalleled security, Bittrex offers a platform for next big thing discoverers to dive in. Get ready to trade beyond the trend. Discover more at bittrex.com. Trading involves significant risk of loss and is not suitable for all individuals. Carefully consider your level of experience and risk before trading. Hello, and welcome to Morning Motivation. I'm your host, Dakiana Jackson, small business marketing coach and founder of Inspired Marketing, Inc. Let's talk about boundaries and how easy it is for you to let others overstep them. Here's an example. Say you have a new small business client you're managing social media for. Your core services include writing brand content, creating graphics, and then posting them to reach the engagement goals you and your client set together. On a call, they ask if you know someone who could help with bookkeeping for a few months. Their current bookkeeper needs to take leave and they need help immediately. The most appropriate answer? Okay, I'll check my network and let you know. But as a giver who is not good at setting healthy boundaries, that's not what you say. Instead, you volunteer yourself. I mean, you did take some accounting classes in college and your client really needs the help. The extra money will be good too. Later on, a family member mentions in passing they need to go to an appointment twice a week and they don't have any transportation. They didn't directly ask you. They didn't even ask you if you knew someone. But again, you volunteer yourself. I mean, you do work from home and you can schedule meetings around it. It should be fine. The next thing you know, you're a social media managing bookkeeping taxi service. That is not what your core business is. That is not your purpose. I made this example up, but how many times have you found yourself working so outside of your purpose, you don't even remember how you got there? Now, even when we're good at setting boundaries with clients, that does not always cross over into our business and the projects that we want to do for ourselves. We start out with the best intentions. We're going to create a plan to start, grow, or maintain our business, and then we're going to execute it with excellence. And it starts off pretty well, and then comes a friend who knows you're working from home, and they need you right now, and probably the next few days too. And if you still have a traditional 9-to-5 job, that's the time when your boss decides to assign you two new projects on Friday that have to be completed by Monday morning. Next thing you know, your friend feels better and your boss is extremely happy with the work you've done. But your business is barely moving forward and it's definitely not moving at the pace you planned. So, what can you do about it? Get used to setting boundaries and sticking to them. Again, get used to setting boundaries And the most important part, sticking to them. If you believe your career is tied to your purpose and should be something fulfilling, you probably classify yourself as a giver. Being willing and able to help is a good trait to have, but you have to be careful. Or you may find yourself doing too much or even worse, being taken advantage of. What does doing too much look like? Well, it looks like taking on projects not in your core services, like with that social media term bookkeeper example I just gave you. But it can also look like you wanting success for someone more than they want it for themselves. And while you may see positive short-term results, it is detrimental at the end. I mean, how many of your clients weren't served because you were too busy being distracted by projects you shouldn't have even taken in the first place? You were trying to save someone else and ended up falling off the cliff yourself. Now, part of my giving used to be setting my work aside to make sure a friend's project didn't fail. Now, I love seeing other people succeed, but I have learned to guide rather than take over. And that can be a fine line. I talk about having the freedom to fail, but I really, how can those around me learn if I'm always stepping in to help them? 
and the more I step in, the more they expect me to step in. And then it ends up again, me taking it over. Uh, has this happened to you? <laughs> that you need boundaries. They are especially hard to create and stick with if you are used to giving until you can't give anymore. If you are always the yes person, it can be tough to say no, but you have to. You must. Taking on the burden of others, it can lead to burnout if you're not careful. And then in addition to letting others learn their own lessons without us stepping in, we have to get comfortable seeing them struggle. Okay, I know it sounds bad, but I don't mean you sit idly by if your loved one is having a crisis and just really needs you. Or if you have a client who's getting ready to do a project launch and is on the verge of mortgaging their home to make that happen. No, you step in then. But if even at those points, if you've given your best advice, you've told them, you know, I don't think you should do that or no, no, that's not the right way. And they still do it anyway. They go against what you said. You have to let it go. I mean, you can be there to help them pick themselves back up, but again, not to the detriment of everything that you're working toward. Your ideas need time and space to grow. And by neglecting to set boundaries, you deprive yourself and your future clients of your best work. Think about it. If you overload your schedule with tasks that have nothing to do with your purpose, by the time you're done for the day, you barely have time or energy to brush your teeth, let alone come up with new projects, come up with new services, or really even serve your current clients well. So what are your next steps? Start with saying no to something small, like refusing to do a 24-hour turnaround for a client project that would normally take you three days. Soon you'll be turning down clients who aren't a good fit with ease. <laughs> but really, start with something that is a little outside your comfort zone, but not so far outside that you're going to check it out. So whether it's something personal, like someone inviting you to lunch when you really don't have time, you can say no then. And that might be something to start stretching those no muscles. And as I said, you'll start small and then soon you'll be saying no to things that don't serve you left and right. But be prepared for resistance. Those people who are used to you saying yes, and especially those people who are used to taking advantage of you because they know, oh, she's just going to say yes. Oh, they're going to say yes. I don't even really need to ask them before I even get out the request. They're going to volunteer. Those people, they're not going to like it. You're going to have to get comfortable with not being liked. Now, this might be foreign territory to you because underneath that overgiving is usually a tendency to people please. But it's time to leave that behind too. One thing you may encounter is someone who is going to use guilt on you. Those infamous guilt trips. And it's usually set up like this. If you don't do this thing I want you to do, something bad will happen. Something horrible will go down and it'll all be your fault. It won't. It won't be your fault. They're just preying on your kindness and hoping that you'll cave. Don't do it. Do not let them succeed. Ignore them and stand firm in your no, even if you feel selfish. Because really, we're trained that way. Like, we're conditioned, um, especially women. It feels like from birth, we're trained to be the nurturers, the givers, the yes people. You got to leave that behind. And if the whole concept of saying no feels difficult to you, let's reframe that. Instead of thinking of it as, oh my gosh, I'm being selfish, I'm saying no. Mm -mm. Think of it as you saying yes to yourself and yes to your business. You're saying yes to your vision, your goals, your dreams, your mission. You're saying yes to yourself.
So using that example of if you're turning down a last minute request that would take two hours, for example, you're saying yes to two hours of planning your own content strategy, two hours of answering client inquiries, two hours of getting into that project that you didn't have time to do before. Another tactic that people may use on you is making you feel like you've changed and not for the better. You may hear phrases like, oh, you don't have time for me now that you're a business owner. Hmm. Or, oh, so now you're too good to help me? Your new boundaries may even be met with anger. People will actually get angry with you because you don't want to do what they want you to do. But you want to do what you want to do for yourself. They're not going to like it. But do not fall into an unhealthy pattern of seeking their approval, of getting angry yourself, or even rescuing the other person. Stick to your boundaries. Now, while family members, friends, and clients may not like your new boundaries at first, they'll get used to them. If not, it's time to examine how prominent a role that person should have in your life. As Carla Marie Manley, a California-based clinical psychologist and the author of Joy from Fear says, if you fear losing a relationship due to setting healthy boundaries, trust that anyone who truly loves you will learn to show their love by respecting your boundaries and the reasons why they're important to your well-being. Again, if those persons really, really love you, if they care about you, if they respect you. It may be tough at first, but they'll come around. They'll understand. And creating boundaries doesn't just mean saying no. Telling someone no to a request without over-explaining yourself is a good start. If you wouldn't explain your reasons for saying yes to a request, why the need to explain your no? Those two letters, N-O, no, comprise a complete sentence. When you don't reinforce your boundaries, you can end up in a standby pattern. Your goals may be getting worked on, but slowly, if you even have goals. Your days may be a mix of money-making work and busy work or distractions. You know what those things are. Email checking, social media scrolling, TV watching, etc. Now, then when a family member, coworker, or client gets in touch with the request, it's like you spring into action. You jump off the bench ready to get in the game. But your purpose is bigger than being on standby for someone else's plans. Your purpose has always been there. I mean, I think of the following two Bible verses. So the first part of Jeremiah 1.5 and then Jeremiah 29.11. So the beginning of Jeremiah 1.5 states, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I read those verses from the New International Version, and I love them because both of them talk about purpose and plans that had you in mind since before you were even born. How wonderful is that to know that you were thought about, that your purpose was always there, and even more important, that you can't lose it. You may slow down. You may veer off track. You may say yes way more times than you should have, times when you should have said no, but your purpose has always been there, and it will still be there. If you mess up, if you feel like you fell off, it is not too late. It is never too late. So get in the game. It starts with saying no. And again, how are you going to have time to make your own plans if you are so busy helping other people with theirs? Now, one thing I've learned is that fear is likely behind that resistance to set boundaries. And it's not just that common fear of failure or sometimes fear of success. No, there are deeper fears than that, like these that I'm going to list now. 
fear of being abandoned because you said no. And women especially are conditioned to put others' needs before their own. I mean, again, from birth, we get dolls to play with. Learn how to be a nurturer. Learn how to take care of this baby doll versus some video game you may want to play with. Another, you might have a fear of seeing someone get hurt because you didn't step in and then feeling responsible for it. Sometimes we get this notion that we have to save people and that if we are not the savior and we let something bad happen, and I put that in quotes, we let something bad happen, then it's our fault. But no, if you really take a step back, it's you letting people learn from their own mistakes. Sometimes that's the only way someone can learn. I mean, I know I have some people in my family, some people who've been in my friend group. You could tell them over and over and over again, don't do this, don't do this. Oh, okay, well, you got into debt. Let me give you some money. Oh, you ran out of food. Let me give you some food. And they still find themselves in those same situations. It's not your fault and you cannot feel responsible, especially if you've done the friend thing, you've extended yourself and they keep falling down. It's okay. You don't need to have that fear of it being your fault. It's not. You may also have a fear of missing out. And this could be when you think of saying no to networking events or friend events or just things that don't fit into your schedule right now, whether it be an event or a project. You might be at home like, oh my gosh, I wish I went to this thing. It's probably so fun or so great for my business. But if you have an inherent belief that everything is working out for you the way it's supposed to, that you are exactly where you're supposed to be, that one event won't make or break you. You're not missing out. You will be okay. There might also be fear of losing favor with those you love. And sometimes that happens, especially with those family members or friends who are used to you being that yes person, that you will volunteer yourself before they even get the full request out of their mouth. You might feel like, oh my gosh, they're not going to like me anymore, but you have to be comfortable with that. It's okay. And if they truly love you, like they say they do, if they respect you, they care for you, they will come around. You cannot let that fear of losing favor with them derail your business, derail your purpose, derail your goals. There may also be that fear of your business not making enough progress and then you use other people's work as an excuse not to focus on your own. So this is a little bit like that fear of failure where you're just so scared that you're going to fail that you get into a paralysis. You do nothing. You do busy work, for example. You may get hung up on overthinking. Like say you're writing a book and you spend two days trying to figure out the font for your chapter titles. No, Sometimes we do that with our own projects and sometimes, again, we use other people's work as an excuse. We kind of put ourselves on the bench of their life and when something goes on or something goes wrong, they call us up and we do their work. We step in. Not the way to live, especially when you have your own purpose. And then there's that fear of the unknown. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? We can't predict the future and sometimes we get so scared of just the unknown consequences that may come up that we don't want to say no because, oh my gosh, what if I say no to the wrong thing? That opportunity may never come up or what if he does this or she does that or they they do this or any number of things could happen, but we can't let the fear of the unknown derail us. We just can't. Setting healthy boundaries are important, not just for your business, but your life in general. You don't ever want to find yourself in a burnt out position 
Believe me, I've been there. I've given so, so much in the past that I don't want to say give till it hurts, but really that's that's what happened. I gave until it hurt me, until I was so fatigued. I was so bogged down. I was so overwhelmed that I couldn't do much for myself because all my energy was depleted. And I'm sure you heard the phrase, you're supposed to give from a full cup. You're never supposed to give from an empty cup. Really, we're supposed to give from our overflow. And we have to take that time to fill ourselves back up so that we can help. We can give people what they need or what we feel like would help them best, you know, what they've asked us for, but in a way that doesn't deplete us. So looking at the fears that I just laid out, are any of them true for you? We're going to explore this a little bit in this challenge that I'm going to leave you with because I always want to leave you with some action steps. I don't just want you to hear the content and be like, oh, that was good. No, I want you to do something with this. So the challenge for today is a series of questions. Now you can write them down or you can even hit replay and listen to me, ask them and then journal or record them for yourself, record your answers. So the first one. So really, if setting boundaries is difficult for you, we're going to take a step back first and we're going to examine why. Because I like to get to the root of things. Because if you don't get to the root of it and pull it up, the things are still going to keep growing. It's like plants. When you have weeds in your garden, you can't just chop off the top. You have to dig out the roots or the weeds are just going to keep on popping up. (laughs) So we're going to think about what the root of your lack of setting boundaries or people pleasing or overgiving comes from. And then we're going to start putting some healthy boundaries in place. So first, looking at the list of fear responses, again, rewind if you need to hear them again, which ones are at the root of your difficulty in boundary setting? And be honest with yourself, it may be more than one thing. Again, that question is looking at the list of fear responses, which ones are at the root of your difficulty in boundary setting? Next, What are ways you can be helpful without sacrificing your own goals? Because I don't want you to start saying no to everything, even things that you want to do because you're like, oh my gosh, this is too much. Oh my gosh, I don't want to go overboard. Now, it's not for me to go to go from saying yes all the time to saying no all the time. No, it's about those healthy boundaries. So what are ways that you can still be helpful and still feel helpful? Because you can still be a giver, but how can you do that without sacrificing your own goals? And now that you've gotten to the root, hopefully, of some of the ways that your fear responses have gotten in the way of you creating healthy boundaries and even considered some ways to be helpful to others without sacrificing your own goals, it's time to practice boundary setting. So first, I want you to name three boundaries you need to set right now in your business and or personal life. Name three boundaries you need to set right now in your business and or personal life. And if you got more than three because you've been saying yes left and right when you know you should have been saying no, write more than three. It's okay. Write as many as you need to to start getting in the habit of realizing what that healthy type of boundary is. It could be as simple as not volunteering yourself before someone asks for help. Because sometimes we get ahead of things. We jump the gun. It could be as difficult as firing that nightmare client. Someone that you do not enjoy working with, but you've kept around either out of loyalty or because you just like their pay. 
It is also being on a call with someone who is a potential client and regardless of how gung-ho they are to work with you, realizing this is not a good fit and having that courage to set the boundary of, no, I am not working with clients who are less than ideal and telling that person, thank you for your time. Thank you for wanting to work with me, but I'm going to pass you on to someone else or just simply decline. For the last part of the challenge, I want you to practice that resistance to over explaining. Now, that's what I spoke on a little bit earlier, that whole idea of no and here's why. We have a tendency not for yes. Yes is always, are you coming to this thing? Yes, period. But no, are you coming to this thing? No, I can't because I've got to go do this and I got this and I got these other things. No, I want you the next time you tell someone no to resist over explaining. Remember that no is a complete sentence. Just say, nope, I can't go. And if they press, I mean, if you really want to say a little bit of, oh, I'm overbooked or I'm double booked or I, I just can't do it. But really, it's just, no, I can't. You know, I, maybe I wish I could, but I can't. Or really, it's just no. <laughs> I mean, of course, you don't have to say it with an extra bit of attitude, but no is a complete sentence. And I have to laugh at myself a little bit there because I'm explaining to you why no is a complete sentence and I'm backtracking a little like, but you could be a little nice. You could do that. No, let me practice what I just told you. The next time someone asks you something, just say no and be done with it. So I'm going to repeat the challenge right now. So here's the full challenge. If setting boundaries is difficult for you, let's take a step back to examine why. Then let's start putting some healthy boundaries in place. One, Looking at the list of fear responses I mentioned, which ones are at the root of your difficulty in boundary setting? Two, what are ways you can be helpful without sacrificing your own goals? Three, name three boundaries you need to set right now in your business and or personal life. And four, the next time you tell someone no, resist over explaining. Remember that no is a complete sentence. And before I go, I also want to leave you with a confession. And I use the term confession in more of the biblical way, like you are confessing your plans. You are confessing these good, positive things. Think of it like an affirmation. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Think of it as affirming thoughts. And I point this out because someone was reading my work and they're like, confession, that sounds really negative. And I didn't even think about it. I think because the way I've grown up, I've heard it so different. But when you hear confession from me, I don't mean it in the sense of you're doing something bad and kind of fessing up to a wrongdoing. I mean it as more of an affirming statement. So the confession that goes along with this whole healthy boundary setting is really affirming that you're going to do it. It's I set healthy boundaries and stick to them. I set healthy boundaries and stick to them. And I hope this has been helpful to you. I really want you to be able to get to your purpose. I want you to live in it and walk in it. And you can't do that if you're always saying yes to things that aren't meant for you to say yes to. If you're over explaining yourself, if you're overthinking, if you're putting your goals on the back burner, or even if you're doing so much for other people, you forgot what your goals even were. I've been there. It's not a fun place to be. And 
the way to turn it around is really starting with setting those boundaries. And I also want to tell you that I am in the process of editing a book and what we just talked about is one of the chapters in the book about setting those healthy boundaries. And the book is in the editing process now. It is called Get Unstuck, a 30-day guide to step into your purpose-driven business. And it's set up literally day one through 30 and each day will have some content for you. It'll have a challenge and it'll have a confession and it's really inner work. Though I have it tailored toward entrepreneurs, it's all about that inside stuff, the things that we talk about on this podcast, really Um, having that winner's mindset, understanding what you need to do on the inside so your business can flourish on the outside. Um, So I look forward to finishing that up and getting it out into the world for you. If you have questions, if you want a sneak peek, uh, feel free to contact me. My website is inspiredmarketinginc.com. My social media handle is inspiredmedia1, the number one on most platforms. Have an amazing rest of your day. Be blessed. This has been Dakiana Jackson with your morning motivation. If you need help marketing your business or even just a little motivation to keep going, contact me at www.inspiredmarketinginc.com. Until next time, business today looks nothing like it did yesterday. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin, and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half off a usual fee, and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? So they can look beyond today. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Talent. Benefits. Payroll. Average savings Always designing for Subject to minimum. Not available in all areas. Learn At more Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. where I'll be talking about everything life. In this episode, I'll be talking about myself and why I wanted to start a podcast. I'll also be talking about a highly requested story time from a TikTok that I posted on Instagram. And also, if you listen to the end, stay tuned for a chance to win a special prize. So let's get started. Hi. I'm Naasia, I'm 24, I live in Georgia, and this is my podcast. Um, I wanted to start a podcast because I just have a lot of things to say, like a lot of topics that I wish I could talk to people about. Not even, not that I can't talk to people, but like at the time things are happening, I want to like talk to people or like discuss the matter. So what better way to do that than to start a podcast where I can just talk 
and people listen and if they agree they can tell me how they also feel about the matter so yeah that's why I wanted to start a podcast um it's really been like two years in the making my first thought of having a podcast was when COVID first happened so 2020 and it's now 2022 two years later and I'm finally getting started so yeah that's late start but at least I got started I actually got inspired by a podcast I used to listen to when I was at work it's called the friend zone it's actually a really good podcast it's three um three adults uh I can't remember their names because I've been listening to it in a while I think it is Francesca Asante and it's one more I can't remember right now but yeah, they're from New York, and they have this podcast they do together. Well, Francesca lives in Oregon now, if I believe, but they still have the podcast together, and they've been doing it for, like, they've been doing it for some years now, and it's taken them really far. Like, a lot of the episodes I listen to are usually sponsored episodes, so, like, podcasting can really take you far, and I just want to try it out, you know? Because talking is something I like to do, and if I can get paid for doing stuff I like to do, which is my intent with life in general, then why not try it? So right now, I'm truly winging it. Like, I didn't really have, like, a game plan of exactly how I wanted the podcast to go. I know most of them are like well the ones I see on YouTube and things like that are like freestyle in a sense so I didn't want to script a podcast and like follow the script verbatim I'd rather just you know pick a topic and say whatever comes to mind when I think of that topic or like when talking about that topic as opposed to it being in a sense like a interview or like a newscast or something boring like that where you're just reading off a prompter and just talking so this is pretty much going to be a freestyle podcast so it's not going to be like clean and precise and like truly edited in a like formal fashion for the simple fact that I don't want to have to like edit anything out I say because most of the things are going to be intentional like I'm going to say them on purpose I don't want to, like, take away from the authenticity of the podcast. So, yeah, so look forward to that in the future, that it's really just going to be a freestyle thing and not really something that you're, like, going to get bored with, at least. And I really hope to, like, be able to bring guests on and things of that nature to get other opinions on different topics. And, you know, like, I know a big topic I want to talk about is college because a lot of my friends that I've made so far in life have been from college a vast majority of them have been from college because back in grade school like elementary middle high school I moved a lot so I personally say I don't have any like childhood friends because I moved so much that I wasn't in any place like in a long enough period of time to like really make strong connections and like keep those friendships going granted I do talk to some and I like follow some on social media friends from like 
elementary school, middle school, and high school. I went to two high schools, but the my second two years of high school, I stayed in Georgia. So, like, junior and senior year friends, I still talk to those people sometimes. But, like, they, like, my class, they, like, still hang out with each other. Like, I can name at least ten people that I graduated with that are frequently together. Like, this is still an active friend group. And other people that are that were friends with them as well come in and out, you know, like when they have functions or whatever. But like I only have friends from college that are like friend group friends. Like I was I've I've been around them multiple times on multiple occasions throughout the years. But like as far as high school goes, um I talked to the friends that I had in high school, like the friend group I was in. But, like, kind of went downhill after we graduated. That's neither here nor there because, like, it's not like I have anything against them. And I still talk to them. Well, some of, actually, I believe I talked to all of them. But, like, not as a group. I mostly talk to them separately. But, yeah. So, this is, like, an outlet for me to be able to talk because, like, eh, I don't really have. I know people. I say I know more people than I would consider people friends. So, like, I know a lot of people, but, like, I wouldn't consider all of those people my friends. Not that they're not that they're bad people or anything, but, like, I feel like friends are people, like, you hang around, you talk to often, you see every, not even every now and then, you see pretty often. Like, these are people that know you on another level. And I, I have two friends. <laughs> I would kiss, well, I wouldn't say I just have two friends. I have two friend groups. So, I have... One friend group from work, and I have two friends that I'm really close with from college. Well, three friends. So, yeah, three friends. I have Jovita, Kayla, and Kyla. And, well, now that I think about it, I have four friends. <laughs> Jovita, Kayla, Kyla, and Kalila. And then from work, you got JC, Kendall, James, Curly, Regine, Maddie, and Kodak. Wow, I said Kodak really lame. So <laughs> if you listen to this, Kodak, I just don't get offended by it. You already know who I am. So don't get offended by me saying Kodak so plain and boring because I just threw you in there because I think, couldn't think of your name. Couldn't think of your name at the moment. So don't take offense to this if you hear it. Okay, let's see. What else is there? Oh, who inspired me? Well, actually, I've been inspired by a lot of people, but, like, one person that really inspired me to follow my dreams is my friend Brian. Well, DJ Slim to y'all. I don't call him that. But, yeah, Brian, I remember when he, well, actually, I remember when I first met Brian. He was, I'm not going to say what he was because if he listens to this, he's (laughs) not going to be happy if I mention his other activities being that he's wiped them from the face of the internet and you can't find any videos of him doing any of the stuff he was doing in the first place it was cool though but um yeah so he was he started DJing we were freshmen in college and like those were the only parties I would go to like he said he was DJing in Sostella which is an apartment complex it is really small like relatively small compared to how many people used to be packed in those apartments like when you see the apartment without people in it, that is a very small space for us to have been in almost every weekend. But 
Brian was DJing, so I'm going to go support because he was the only DJ I really knew. There were more down there. But like, I didn't really know them. I knew him, so of course I'm going to go to the parties of the person I know. But he started DJing. We were freshmen in college. That was about 2017. It is now 2022. He found artists. He's an artist for his D- He's an artist for a DJ. He's a DJ for an artist, and he is following his dreams, which are music dreams, which I am very proud of. Like, I, if I could quit my job right now to follow my dreams, whatever those dreams are, I don't really know because I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm a jack of all trades, but, like, I have multiple interests. Like, there's not just one thing that interests me. There is, like, a plethora of things. That's one of my favorite words, actually, plethora. I think it is so advanced and sophisticated. Anyway, there's a lot of things that I'm interested in that I don't know how to bring together yet, but once I do, it's going to be great. I'm going to ha- I'm just going to one-stop shop. It's going to be everything. Oh yeah, he is DJing and he always said he wanted to be a tour DJ and that dream is going to come true soon. Everybody stay tuned. The dream is going to come true soon. Um, Yeah, but he pretty much started following his dream, and I'm like, I want to be like him. He is walking by faith and not by sight and following his dream, and, like, that is the goal. The end goal for me is to just be able to live off my dreams and not have to work for somebody else and waiting for the, waiting for paychecks uh two weeks bi-weekly though it's expensive out here one and really there is no time to be waiting for somebody to pay you every two weeks because everything is expensive like they just said the median rent is going to be two thousand dollars regular people can't even afford the thousand dollar rent so how do you expect people to afford two thousand dollars rent and you're not like giving anything helpful to like try to help them out or to like make it easier to live like life is really expensive like you blink and like five hundred dollars is gone that is craziness like that is really actually it's really ridiculous it's utterly ridiculous but that's the world we live in so yeah i just hope to be able to just be able to live off my dreams you know i just want to live off my dreams and Seeing him put his in action is very inspirational. So, shout out to you, Brian. Keep doing what you're doing. You're living it up. You're doing a great job, and I'm very proud of you. Um, yeah, so that's who inspired me. Well, one of the people who inspired me. Um, like I said, I don't really know like exactly what I want to do with this podcast. I just needed an outlet and this is the one I found that fits me so we're just gonna wing it that's just what life is we're winging it so with this podcast I will also be winging it but I hope to like really if you want to come on the show you know if you have something to say just dm me or like dm my podcast page and be like yo I want to be on the show I have things to say and yeah we can get it set up you can come we can record and yeah, we can have a great time because this is pretty much like entertainment for me. Like I enjoy listening to podcasts because they're like, they're very, well, the ones I listen to are very authentic. Like they're just, they're just talking. 
they have like different segments like going on a friend zone they have a, a whole segment of music like one of the people on the show that's his like segment he shows you or he plays little clips of the songs he's been listening to or he found within the past week and then they have like another segment where they answer questions or find their favorite comments or whatever from the show that, um, that were on Twitter. So like little things like that, I hope to be able to incorporate like once I pick up the pace and like with supporters and all that kind of stuff, being able to answer questions. Really my ultimate goal in life is to be able to help people. So like if anybody decides that they want to be a frequent listener to my podcast and like this is really like a show that inspires them, like that's my end goal. I just want to be helpful. I've always been a helpful person. Like, so I want to be an inspiration. I want to be like, I don't even want to say I want to be praised at the end of the day because praise is like, I'm not a big fan of being in the spotlight. Despite which, with, despite what some of my friends from college might say, I actually hate the spotlight. So, like, all the performances and stuff I did, my intentions were to always be in the back, but when I do shows or stuff like that, I don't want to be, I don't want to be out there looking crazy. So, I typically try to make all the moves, steps, and everything else pretty clean, like, as clean as I can get them to the point where they're like, yeah, you're doing a great job, we're going to move you to the front. I'm like, ah, okay, I really don't want to be up here, but okay. At every performance, I can promise you, I can bet my bottom dollar, I have never looked at somebody in the eyes while I'm performing. Like, I've never looked at the crowd, but I can't look down. So majority of the time, I'm always looking above the crowd. So if you've ever seen me do Act Like a Noob any of the three years I did it, or like the Black History Month play, or the, what else did I do? The praise dance I did for Replenish Women. I've never looked into the crowd. I always look above the crowd because if I look into the crowd, I'm going to mess up. And it's really distracting. Very scary, actually, because I don't want to look at somebody and then they're watching me and I do something wrong. So, yeah, I don't like the spotlight. So, praise is not something I really expect. I just want, if it just saves one person from doing something they might regret, that's good enough for me. So I said that I was going to tell a story as well. I posted a TikTok a while, not even a while back, maybe a month ago about, um, it was a little TikTok trend. It was like, um, it was a little Jersey mix. And she was like, oh my gosh, Leah, what the F? And that was the TikTok trend I joined. So pretty much I started it with going to get a background check for a job. And then at the, oh my gosh, Leah part, it says, ending up in jail after finding out I had a warrant. So let's take the story back to where it started. 2017, I was ending the summer. Yeah, the summer was over. It was July. So I was ending the summer, about to go back to school. So I, my mom had surgery on her eye when I was in high school. So she has medicated eye drops, but she wasn't feeling good this day. So I went to go get the medicine for her. And I was driving to the Kaiser. We lived in Stockbridge at the time. The Kaiser was in Jonesboro. So I was going to Jonesboro to um, to get her medicine. And I'm in front of this neighborhood by where I used to go to high school, Monarch Village. And it's a red light. 
I'm stopped at the red light. There's a truck in front of me. So the light goes green, and I believe the man is moving. Like, when I looked up, I thought he was moving. So I pressed the gas, and I hit the back of his car on accident. So he gets out. He's yelling. Like, mind y'all, I did not even hit this man's car that hard for him to be bugging out like he was. But I hit the car, and he gets out the car. And he's like, my daughter's with me. We could have been her, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, let me just get you my mom's insurance and call it a day. He's like, no, we need an incident report. We need to call the police. We need to blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, okay. Mind you guys, I only had a permit at the time, didn't have a license, and I didn't have on my glasses, but I had on medicated sunglasses. So, like, it's the same thing because my medicine that's in my glasses were also in my sunglasses. But the sun was also shining bright, so that could have been a part of why I thought he was moving and he wasn't. So we're sitting out there, like, we're sitting out there for a minute. We call the police. I don't know what takes Henry County Police so long to show up, but we just happened to catch a cop in the, like, passing by. He was like, do y'all need help? In my head, I'm like, nah, we don't need help. This nigga's really, well, can I say that? I don't know, but this man is really tripping. So let's say man. This man is really tripping, so I guess we need help. So he comes, he's like, yeah, can I have your license? I'm like, I don't even have a license, sir, but you have my permit. So, mind you, I had just got a ticket the week before for driving without a license because I, I was driving at night and I didn't have my glasses on or my sunglasses. So the police officer was like, you were swerving, blah, blah, blah. That's another story. But this one, he was like, yeah, I'm going to have to give you a ticket for driving without a license. So that's two tickets for driving without a license. And the fine is $300, so that's $600 in tickets just for driving without a license. And I had to get another ticket for following too closely behind because he didn't want to move his truck when the light turned green. So I told the man, the police officer, while I was there, like, the court date is in September. I'm going back to college next week, actually. And I won't be back here for court because I know my mom's not going to come down there and get me and then bring me back down to Valdosta, which it's a three-hour drive from where we live. She's not going to do a round trip and miss two days. Like, she's not going to. I know for a fact she's not going to do that. So he told me to call the solicitor's office and tell them what happened. So I called them, and they didn't answer. So I leave a message or something along those lines. Mind you, I, basically, I called them, and they didn't answer the phone. And so I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do from here. He, I did what he told me to do, so I go back to school. So, fast forward to when I actually went to go get the background check. That was 2017. When I went to get the background check was February 2020. So, I was applying for a job at the YMCA and to work with kids, like, anywhere with kids, pretty much. You need a background check with fingerprints. So, like, yeah, just go to the sheriff's office, get a background check, come back, and we'll do the interview. So, I'm like, okay, cool. Mind you, it's 2020. I'm not thinking about no tickets from 2017. I'm not thinking about none of that. I didn't know anything about anything that was about to happen. So I go to the sheriff's office. My friend Kimani took me. We go to the sheriff's office, and I give her the paper for the background check. And she's like, okay, you can have a seat right there. We'll be right with you. So then I'm sitting there, and like 10 minutes goes by, and this lady comes out another door, and she's like, yeah, are you so-and-so? I'm like, yes. She's like, yeah, can you come with me here? So we go in, and we go into this, like, this is like an interrogation room. That's what it looks like. So we go in there, and she's like, yeah, 
you have a warrant out for your arrest in Henry County. We're going to call them and see what they want us to do. So I want to say like maybe 10 more minutes passed. I think I was texting my mom at the time too. Like, Mom, they had this. I got a warrant out for my arrest. I don't know what's about to happen. So I'm texting her, like, telling her what's going on. And then the lady comes back, and she was like, yeah, they want us to bring you in. And, like, in that moment, I'm like, bring me in where? She was like, yeah, you got to be booked and processed into the jail. And then Henry County will be pretty much that. Pretty much I got to be booked and processed into Lowndes County. And then my mom's going to have to go to Henry County to deal with the rest. So Dave's like, yeah, we got to put you in handcuffs. We're going to walk across the street to the jail, blah, blah, blah. So I walk out. I give my stuff to Kimani. Like, yo, can you call my mom? Tell her what's happening. I, clearly, I'm going with them over here to this jail. So we get over there to the jail. They have me fill out paperwork. This lady's asking all these questions. Like, are you... You've been to the mental hospital, you insane, are you this, are you that, are you sick, you got, are you pregnant, nah, 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 nah. all these like crazy questions. I'm like, bro, I'm not even supposed to be in here. I didn't even commit a real crime, so like, I don't know why I'm here right now. So they make me change into the little jumpsuit. It's ugly black and white stripes. Like, I didn't know that was a real thing, but like, that's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, black and white stripes, that, it was literally like, Heavy and ugly, like, but this is, this is ugly. This is very ugly. Y'all need to do better. Or, like, I, I'm not a big fan of, like, funding police and all of that kind of stuff. But, like, they need new jumpsuits. Like, if you're going to have them folks in there, at least have them in there with some some drip on or some, some, some stylish. Like, them black and white stripes wasn't cutting it. I think I was in the holding cell for, like, four plus hours before they even let me call my mom and the folks try to take my glasses too like i can't see like i'm not i'm not checking no glasses and i need to be able to see if you're gonna have me in this jail with real criminals i need to be able to see something so they put me in a holding cell and then i'm in there by myself i'm in there bawling like i'm crying my eyes are hurting I, that's how hard i'm crying i was crying until i didn't have no more tears left to cry so then they bring another girl in there, so I'm like, oh, dang, it's both of us in here. So I'm like, yo, what did you do? She talking about she finna take a fed charge for her boyfriend because they went to a festival out of town, and she didn't want him to get in more trouble, so she's going to take the charge. In my head, I'm like, oh, you're stupid. You are very stupid. I don't know what you're doing. But that's besides the point. She's in there crying, and I'm like, bro, I don't. I'm not a real criminal, so I really don't care about why you're crying right now because they probably finna throw you under this jail. And sorry to that man. Like, I'm so sorry that's going to happen to you. But I'm trying to find the quickest way out of here. So I'm like, bro, when can I call my mom? I really believe I lasted there for, like, not even lasted. I sat there for four-plus hours before they even let me pick up the phone to call my mother. So I think it was like 9 o'clock at night by the time I got to call my mom from like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And she's like, yeah, I called your dad. Your dad is so mad. I'm going to come back up here and I'm going to, he sent the money for your bail. The bail was $350. They booked me, booked and processed me into a jail for $350. $350. That was all. I could have gave them that standing there trying to get the background check. Like, bro, y'all don't. What? What is what is three hundred fifty dollars? 
So the next day after they, not even the next day, let's start from when they put me in the actual cell. So I go, we, we get in a line, all the people, we get in a line, and they walk us down this hallway, lock, it's all locked doors and all kinds of stuff like that. We go down this hallway, they stop at this room, they tell us to pick up a bag, it was like a mesh bag, and like a little, no, that was it, that was just a mesh bag. They tell, us, they tell us to pick up the mesh bag, and then when we got by like where you're going to sleep, or like your pod, or whatever this thing is called, they tell you to pick up the little little mat. It's like like it looks like like a preschool mat, like you're in daycare. It's like a little cot thing. I don't really know. It was very thin and not very comfortable. But yeah, she told me to pick that up, and then we go into the pod, and it's like actual inmates. Like bro, these folks are really in jail, and they be counting them folks like 15 million times a day. Like somebody has gotten out. You have a security locked pod. You think people are escaping? There's nobody leaving. So like, I was really confused as to why they kept counting people all day long. Like these folks, from the time I got there to the time I left, they woke me up from my God forbidden nap that I kept trying to take because I'm like, what the hell am I doing in jail? What am I doing in jail right now? So they woke me up like four or five times just to count. Then I think breakfast was like 6 a.m. I didn't eat nothing in there. None of that looked appealing. So I'm like, I'm just going to starve. Like, I'm really going to starve. So, like, the next morning, I go to call my mom. And she's like, yeah, I'm headed to Henry County right now. My mom was there all day. Like, she got there at 9 a.m. And she didn't leave until I got out. So what they were supposed to do was Lyons was supposed to fax the paperwork up to Henry County so that they can book me and process me there, and my mom could just pay the the fine, and they could let me out in Lowndes so I could just go home. But Lowndes is behind in everything, so by the time they finally send the paperwork, they're like, oh, yeah, the sheriff is already on his way down there to come get you. So now, not only can I not go home, I have to wait for the sheriff to come from Harry County to take me back to Harry County, to book and process me into Henry County Jail just to go home, and I don't even live in Atlanta. I lived in Valdosta at the time, so I had to go all the way back to Atlanta just to be booked and processed and taken back to Valdosta. They made me ride three hours because they failed to fax over paperwork. I don't think I got out that jail or the whole jail process until it was sundown the next day and I as soon as I got out I called my dad and my brother was like my brother answered the phone he's like oh so you're a criminal I didn't commit a real crime unlike you so no I am not a real criminal I was like I'm hungry mother I'm starving first meal I got was my favorite place on that side of town which is American Deli I was my favorite American deli that was around the corner from my house. Well, where I used to live. So that was like, that was a funny time in life. But like, I knew from that point, like, I would never in my life, God forbid, I would never in my life go back to jail because them folks have no kind of freedom, no kind of nothing. They was in there watching WWE, and I don't even think it was updated WWE. I think it was old. But they was in there. It was cold. 
the food is the food didn't look good. The food looked terrible actually. And like they move so slow down there, like you're gonna have to wait for a very long time before you get to see a judge or anything of that nature. And I I can't live life like that. Like, hmm, no, that's not going to work for me. So, yeah, that is the story of how I ended up in jail after going to get a background check. And I think I'm going to end the episode here because I don't really have much else to say that'll go along with what I've already said. So, if you've gotten this far, thank you for listening. And the next episode is going to be about turning 24 and navigating adulthood and I said if you listen to the end that you'll have a chance to win a special prize so let me pull up the riddle it's a riddle so let's see oh that one's too long okay I'm trying to find an easy one so like it won't y'all won't struggle Okay, what is this one? Okay, so <laughs> I found one. And the riddle is, if you get the riddle, actually, you ought to comment the answer on my podcast Instagram page. I'm going to make a post about it when I put this episode out. So this is the riddle. The more you take, the more you leave behind. What am I? First person to comment the answer gets a $25 Visa gift card. So, good luck! And thank you all for listening. And I'll be back in... Well, you'll know when I'll be back when I post the next episode. Thanks, guys. Bye! Offer deadline on Oak Street, Mile 3. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin, and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half off the usual fee, and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? Uh, yep. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Bidding warrant the offer's counter in five minutes. Average savings is Redfin refund plus 1% listing fee. Subject to minimums. Not available in all areas. Learn more at redfin.com. Right here in greater Atlanta. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things. With a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give this trash a second chance it was hoping Greater Atlanta's hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program, happening in your neighborhood today. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.